to the Chis Ascendancy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chis Ascendancy. This is episode 98. We're recording this on a back-to-back. If you're listening, please make sure you go back and listen to episode 97, where we celebrated Samuel's 28th birthday, going over uh, issue 28 of the mainline Marvel Star Wars series. Uh, Very interesting stuff. Kind of a good standalone story where Luke Skywalker discovers the plans that the Empire will build a second Death Star. We barely talked about it, but it was a fun one. Um, The episodes where we barely talk about what we mean to talk about are the best episodes. Let's be honest. That's very true. Um, So we're going to try to be a little bit more serious, but not too serious, not take ourselves too seriously. Um, We are reviewing episode four of Ahsoka or part four. I keep correcting myself. I guess nobody really cares if it's an episode or a part. (laughs) But this one is called Fallen Jedi. Uh, This one is one that I've heard called the best Star Wars on screen since Disney purchased Star Wars like 13 years ago. So let's jump into it. Those of you who are new to the channel, we have five parts of our review. A- Overall thoughts, what are the meats and, meats and potatoes of it? Two, C, <laughs> Delta. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so overall thoughts. Number two, what do we rate it on a scale of one to ten? Uh, usually we use a scale of D-Squad from the Clone Wars all the way up to Empire Strikes Back. That's my Number personal scale. Number three, um, we'll talk about uh, standout moments. Part four is new characters. Part five is what is next for our story, our antagonist, our protagonist our droids, our Jar Jars, what's happening next. <laughs> so um, jumping right in, Samuel, what are your thoughts on part four of Ahsoka, the fallen Jedi? I guess, first of all, what did you think of, what did you think of the title? And do you think it applied to one person, two people, three people, a million of them? Well, you're hitting me with a lot of good questions. A lot of good questions. A real treat. A real treat. A real treat. <laughs> I can see it on your face. A real yeah, treat. Yeah, you knew where I was going. It's like we grew up together. Um, I loved it. Um, I have a lot of thoughts, and so it's hard for me to collect them and put them into a coherent, uh, linear description of, of them. But uh, it was fantastic TV. Um, I guess let's start with uh, some of the most surprising and in, in the least uh, positive ways. Um, I was a little, I don't know what's happening with Merrick. Um, I know a lot of people thought about how he was, you know, they're reintroducing him as start. What's, what's the eyebrows for? I have an idea. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I thought you were like, shut up. And I was like, what, what you asked me? No, no, no. I have an idea. Uh, so, you know, we've kind of tossed around the idea or, you know, some other people have been discussing the idea that maybe it was like a spirit bound to the armor or uh, I know Adam, I don't know if Adam's even watched part four, but I know he was a big proponent of the uh, the uh, dark uh, Cal Kestis theory, which I don't right. personally see. Um, obviously, he looked like that uh, villain from Hellboy. Um, who was just sand in a in a sack. Oh, snap. Way to go. That's a freaking sick callback right that's what i thought that's where my mind went immediately immediately. the guy that like has to dial himself in and we don't know what the dials are for yeah the the secrety secret sandman um spider-man could have taken him but hellboy did a good job uh (laughs) 
yeah, that's what I thought of. Or uh, the way he died looked a lot like the ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings. So a lot of interesting thoughts there. But I wanted his fight scene was not that impressive for me. Um, I I guess I just wanted more because I had really high expectations. I I didn't think it was Star Killer. Um, I think that that is just not a a viable reintroduction for Disney, especially as that yeah. kind of role. But I uh, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Um, I'm trying to hold back from the parts that were my favorite. Uh, I liked seeing um, Hu Yang kind of do his thing. I was really worried. I thought he might die there for a second, but I thought it was pretty baller how when he w- was yelling and they couldn't hear him, he like took his fourth arm and slammed it into the lights. I thought that was mm-hmm. a pretty cool little, you know, little moment. And I think he's very, something uh, that he's very for a droid, I guess they're they're getting more and more sentient and more and more like mm-hmm. think outside the box, which typically you would think a droid has like just a certain way they think no matter what. Right. But um he just has so much more individual personality oh, he's, than he's one droid. of one for sure. And he's, and yeah. he's like twenty five thousand years old. Yeah, he's forever. Uh Hu Yang is. And uh I think something that was very wise that came from him and i think it was a lot of foreshadowing for the rest of the series is he said hey stick together you are always much better that way um and so i think we see a lot of the characters weaknesses when they split up uh you know you see um sabine kind of give in to her weaker inclinations and you know go willingly with the Mm -hmm. not sith not jedi um on their way out to the outer reaches and we see ahsoka kind of it's almost like progression by regression like she needs to make a step forward obviously as a master and as an individual but then uh she has to kind of go back to school a little bit you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um which which brings me to my greatest moment in the series uh so far which was world between worlds and we see hayden christensen in the flesh um obviously reduced in age a little bit uh digitally um But I, yeah, I, they almost got me. I, I almost cried. So it was, uh, there were a lot of thoughts and a lot of standout moments for me for this episode. Yeah. So, okay. On a scale of the D squad, which is the least favorite Star Wars of all time <laughs> to Empire Strikes Back, which is your favorite Star Wars of all time. Mm-hmm. Where do you rank this one on a scale of one to 10? I'm going to give it a nine and a half. Okay. Nine and a half. Um, That's really high for me. If you haven't watched the show very much, I'm typically, I don't give out the 10 super easy, uh, but I very rarely give anything as high as a 9.5. And it's not because I'm special. It's just because I'm very, uh, I have high standards for what I want out of Star Wars. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I loved it a lot. Okay. And then um, standout moment for you, obviously, was Anakin at the end. We'll kind of break that down a little bit more as we get into yeah. the show and what's in the what's next category. Yeah. Um, new characters kind of. Anakin is obviously the big one. Um, right. And so I guess I'll get into my little breakdown here. Go for it. Um, so a couple of things. Um, one, I just can't stand the New Republic. Never have. I just don't like them. I, even back in the Legends material, I felt like yeah. Luke, who I just feel like in canon and in Legends, Luke and Leia, and in this case, Hera, um, it's just like an uphill battle. It's like they're driving uphill both ways, no matter what. And it's like, especially for someone like Mon Mothma, who going back all the way to like the Andor series where you see Luthen, who's like, 
this is some real stuff. What are we doing? What do we do? Take this and write it down. And Mon Mothma is like, you see how much she has to, like just from watching Andor season one, you're realizing how much she's going to have to give up for the rebellion. Right. You know, like where, where's her, obviously her husband's kind of a piece of crap, but her daughter, like we don't see her daughter at all in the original trilogy, you know, Mm -hmm. like, does she sever ties? Does the empire kill her daughter? Does the empire kill her husband? Does like all these things, you know? And so it's like, yeah. um, she had to give it all up. And then in legends, she does an okay job. You know, she's not as big of a character in legends, but the new Republic in general just doesn't take anything seriously as far as like threats from the Imperial remnant and all that kind of stuff. And then especially yeah. in Canon in the bloodline book, it's like, Mon Mothma made the decision to disband the military. Like, what is wrong with you? So you see some reluctance from them. That's very frustrating. Um, diving into the Merrick character. Um, disappointing, obviously, after I just put all that work into making that short about what I thought could be possible. But I did put at the end, is it just another hyped up character like yeah. Phasma? Um, I, which I, I kind of, my we were suspicions. leaning, we were leaning yeah. towards that. Now, his death here's what i think what what did his death remind you of if anything from previous star wars that we've seen it would here's the weird thing you don't see sith die like that right you see jedi vanish because they found their balance in the force they found that line that you walk that allows you to retain individuality that's the only time you see jedi do that it's only a handful you see obi-wan do it you see yoda do it you see luke do it and that's it yep yeah. Um, what about what about dark siders imbued with night sister magic after they've been killed by sheep? Oh, that's interesting. So for those who are not catching, that's very drift, interesting. Um, in the Clone Wars series, if you're not a watcher uh-huh. of the Clone Wars, um, there's so much in there. Um, I know you're not a fan of cartoons, somebody out there, but it's really there's so much Star Wars. It's worth it. The best you, Star you come Wars for the story, you stay for the story. Yeah. You get over the animation. Um, but the Night Sisters, who are witches that use uh, use the Force in kind of a, a, a magical well, way, and you see it already in Ahsoka. Um, yeah, with Morgan, Morgan. she's a, a descendant of the Night Sisters. She talks about them being her ancestors, and they're on a planet that obviously has some strong ties to the Night Sister, as they created that hinge, as they call it. Right. So. In Clone Wars, the Night Sisters are trying to find a new apprentice for Count Dooku after he's dispatched Asajj Ventress. And basically, I think Ventress, if I'm remembering correctly, um, goes to the Night Sisters and kind of helps them like come up with somebody for him. So, that, so, so they that Ventress, do kind of a. Uh... Hunger Games thing. She goes out to where the men yeah. live and does, yeah. you know, a, a trial by combat sort of thing. And so the idea is she's going to kind of come up with the, she's going to help create the character that ends up being Dooku's new apprentice so that she can try to kill Dooku with him down the road. Um, and so all Ventress, Star Wars plans considered pretty solid plan. Pretty solid um, plan. Pretty solid plan. Didn't work out, so, but it was a great plan. It was a good idea. So what they do is they find actually. I think it's a good idea, and I stand by. I stand by. Um, 
what's actually kind of sad looking back at it is that Savage actually had a lot of virtue. Like he, he was did. standing up for his fellow man. He was man a great stuff. guy. So Savage Opress is actually the brother of Darth Maul. And you're like, what? I, uh, I thought Darth I think, Maul died. I don't know if they're like brother brothers. I think they might call him that because they're from the same. I don't, I don't know. Let me look. Yeah. It's his, I mean, basically Mother Talzin, the head night sister, whenever they realize that Maul is still alive, tells Savage to search for his brother. And that was like the very end of season four, I think. Um, all that to say, Savage right. is a normal sized Dathomirian or Dathomiri male, the same size as basically Maul and actually kind of skinny. He was and scrawny. They imbue him with this dark side magic and it's this green smoke. And okay. he kind of Frankensteins to this large hulking monster and it changes his demeanor and everything. And so when flash forward to when Merrick dies in Ahsoka mm-hmm. and she cuts through the spinning Inquisitor blade, which makes me sad because obviously Balin and Shin are not. What did that remind you of? What? That the ending to the fight between Ahsoka and Merrick. Or reminded me of Twin Sons with Maul. Twin Sons Part Two, right? Yeah. Ben. Yeah. Um, so basically, she she kills him. She cuts through his middle section, and you see. He's kind of standing there, and I was wondering, like, is the helmet coming off? Are they doing the reveal? Because I'd heard rumor mm-hmm. that we're going to find out who or what he was. Well, kind of did. <laughs> he, you kind of hear this oh, sound, right? And then this green smoke comes out of him, which is exactly what happened when Savage was killed by Palpatine in the Clone Wars. Was his it green? Magic... I thought it was black. No, his – are you talking about Ahsoka or are you talking about in... – In Ahsoka. If you go back and look at it, it kind of looks like green. Give us a moment. By the way, I looked it up. Wikipedia confirms that I, I always didn't know if it was like brother, you know, like I would say, hey, brother. Yeah, right. Uh, but it looks like they were brother brothers. Yeah, that was my that's my understanding. Yeah. Um, but basically, that's my thought is that perhaps he's being kept alive by the Night Sisters or by some kind of dark side magic because he works for um, he works for Balin and, and them. And another thing that I read online that was a really good point was um, if he was really an inquisitor, why would he take orders from Shin who's a Padawan? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If he if I he mean, really he, was his own person, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a that's a good thought. Um, I guess it kind of comes into pecking order as well, though, because you have uh, Jedi who had like a military rank. Oh yeah, it was kind of greenish mm-hmm. looking, wasn't it? You um, it? Yeah, I feel I don't know. It's kind of ambiguous when it comes to stuff like that because it could just be. I mean, she could be a Padawan, but she could be very powerful. Um, it could be that she's working in proxy for Balin. And, you know, he has to take orders from her that way. But it also seems like she kind of defers to him as he's the one that fought Ahsoka and she's the one that fought Sabine. And Sabine was clearly the lesser threat. Right. I think that she defers to him as far as the power level. But Mm -hmm. I think that perhaps um, he defers to her as far as ranking, I guess, is my point. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if, if that's the case... And she 
and he is basically, um, let's see if I can, if we go full screen here, well, that was stupid of me. For those of you who are actually viewing, mm -hmm. let's do this. I'm gonna share screen and we're gonna look at this right here. If you look right, can you see what I'm sharing? Yeah. Kind of like a greenish black smoke. Yep. And then if we type in, if we look up Savage's death, it's very similar where it's yeah. obviously much more green, but you can see right there. Right. It's the magic leaving his body. So right. my thing is if for whatever reason, um, Morgan, who's tied to Balin and Shin, if she was animating him or mm -hmm. if he, if he had like some kind of a debt to them and his soul was bound to the armor, because referencing back to our most recent episode for your birthday, we talked about Luke's yellow lightsaber. Mm -hmm. Um, when he grabbed it, it animated the specter of the Grand Inquisitor who was bound by Darth Vader to guard the abandoned Jedi Temple on the planet Tempe's. Um, so it's like light side characters, if they find that groove and they find the balance to carry on their individuality into the cosmic force, like you've talked about before, mm -hmm. There is no piece like that for Darksiders, which is why they're so, so hell-bent on finding eternity and finding a way to, to be around and live forever. Um, yeah. But they can be bound to certain objects, but it's not in a peaceful way. It's not like, hey, here's your favorite library. We're going to bind your soul here. It's much more in a tortured way, like something you would see, like what you hear about like ghosts, like, oh, someone was murdered here and their spirit has unrest. Um so it's the Grand Inquisitor is bound to that temple forever by Darth Vader, which is freaking powerful. I'd love to unpack how that works a little bit more. I don't understand yeah. it, but um, seems I like wonder he was if, learning at the feet of Sheev, who was much right. more inclined towards the sorcery. Right. Yeah. Sith alchemy and things like that, like back in mm -hmm. the old days. Um, but if Merrick is basically bound to his armor as a servant of the dark side by either Morgan Elsbeth or, you know, he seemed to work more hand in hand with Balin and Shin, but I don't see them being that steeped in the dark side that they would do something like that. Cause yeah. Shin definitely has more of a bend towards the dark. Balin struggles. He seems to be doing what he seems like he's later says, you know, a necessary evil for the greater good. Mm -hmm. um, so long story short, I think that Merrick was a, was bound to his armor by Night Sister Magic. Um, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Huyang is um, so wise and he's saying to them, stick together. You're more powerful that way. And even when they like, if Ahsoka had stayed, she could have easily dispatched Shin yeah. with Sabine. And then they both would have had a better chance against Balin. Balin. And yeah. Sabine being there probably would have kept Ahsoka more focused and more in the light. You see, you start to see her kind of being willing to do the dark, yeah, uh, teeter totter, dark bit. side kind of things to get the job done, which we know she's been doing that because in part one, she says that she got information out of Morgan Elsbeth by doing things that quote unquote, the Jedi wouldn't have approved of. Um, yeah. And so she gets too entire too attached to her feelings and things. So she goes over the edge and then Balin is able to talk 
Sabine into keeping the map, obviously because mm -hmm. of her attachment to Ezra, where if Ahsoka would have been there with Sabine, A, she probably wouldn't have been as easily defeated, and B, even if she was dead to right, she could have talked Sabine into destroying the map to some degree. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's going to be a big part of Ahsoka's story. Sabine's too, because Sabine hungers for connection. She hungers for family and things like that. But for Ahsoka, it's the extreme attachment cost me everything, cost Anakin everything, and turn him into Darth Vader. But the extreme the other way is also no way to live, which which Sabine kind of points out with Ahsoka just living on the ship, not having a home planet, not having anything to call home. Yeah. Um, so I would, I'm going to give it a 9.75. Um, I mean, we didn't see Thrawn, so it can't be a 10. It can't um, be a 10. You know. But... On that, but note, we had some really, really good stuff. We um, did get him referred to as heir to the empire, the heir to the empire, which was an excellent callback that I've been looking forward callback. to for for quite some time. So it was nice to also see it in that context because yeah. in heir to the empire, it's actually a little bit unclear um, who the title refers to because Tim Zong kind of ties it in. They have uh, that story arc where Leia is seen by. Um, the Nogri as Lady Vader. Yep. Um, so in her, in their mind, she was heir to the empire. She was, you know, yep. the, the descendant of Darth Vader. So um, pretty cool to see that title officially applied in canon to Thrawn. Um, and I think much like we're thinking, not jumping ahead too much, but we were talking about how we think Thrawn appears in an episode or two. I mm -hmm. think that timeline may stay true if there's not too much of a discovery period once they get, you know, through their little journey in hyperspace. Right. So, um, obviously, so there's some beef moments. Rating for me is a 9.75. Um, standout moments for me, uh, a couple of things. A, just the fight and the dialogue between Balin and Ahsoka. I'm fascinated. I cannot so get good. enough of Balin's skull. I can't, I can't figure out who he is. Like, he's clearly a survivor of Order 66. Right. But he's like, where has he been? Like, he seems like he's gone into hiding somewhere else. He looks like he's from the Old Republic. I know that he's, he isn't, but uh, he just has a totally different look than anybody we've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. And just the way that he holds himself and the way that he holds the, the hilt of the saber, like it's a giant freaking broadsword. Um, yeah. And then just this, the the subtle movements of you're here, then I'm here. Okay. You're here. Then I'm here. Okay. Then I'm here. Then I'm just the, for mm -hmm. those of you just listen to audio, you can't tell what the freak I'm talking about. The, just the subtle, like the shift in the, how you're holding the lightsaber, the footwork, the angle of the sword, what are you doing? Um, mm -hmm. Playing uh, capture the flag with that freaking map and Balin just like <laughs> staying pivoting around her, you know? Yeah. Um, Can we also super, talk about how cool. thug it was when he destroyed the map immediately after he got what I needed out of it? Yeah, yeah, that was so sick. Which was so cool. And then of course the the freaking uh, the 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 piece de resistance, the piece de resistance moment. Piece de resistance is uh, obviously. I was telling Samuel the way that I described my understanding of where she was is we go downward toward the water and at this point you know to catch those up you know Hera and a couple of X-wing pilots try to intercept um the ship going toward Thrawn is and I don't know if you know this Samuel but the the name of that 
machine is called the Eye of Scion, which is called back to Darth Scion from Knights yes. of the Old Republic, the Sith yes. that held himself together with hate and anger, which is super sick because um, one of his eyes is like a white glass. So they call that ring the Eye of Scion. Um, Very cool. And so they're getting ready. They have the map after they finally get everything back on back on track. And Balin convinces Sabine to go with them so that they can, you know, I don't know really why she, he really wants her to keep the map so that they can find Thrawn because he mm -hmm. believes that Thrawn coming back will make the galaxy a better place, I guess, to just burn the whole thing down and start over. Um, but the thing is, he also has virtue because he's told her, you won't be harmed. And then when his apprentice tries to choke her, he makes her stop. So he's not deceptive. Yeah. Um, so there's something different about him. You know, he's, I think he really is in for the greater good. And I'm, I'm really mm -hmm. curious to see what's next for him. But he's that, you know, other side of the coin Qui-Gon character that we've always kind of been looking for. You know, what would happen if Qui-Gon still had his personality with maybe like a dark side bent, I think is what we're seeing in Balin's goal. I think that's why he's so interesting and intriguing to me, because I've always had that same feeling about Qui-Gon. He's basically just the, the alter ego. Yeah. He's, he's like the, the, he's the black suit Spider-Man Qui-Gon. Yeah. He's the Qui-Gon <laughs> with a little bit of extra Count Dooku in him, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, he's an Dooku interesting character. at his core ended up being selfish. I don't think Balin's that guy, mm -mm. but I think he's willing to do more than Qui-Gon would, you know? Yeah, for sure. Qui-Gon famously said, we serve the light because it's the light, and that's not good enough for Balin's goal. We serve the light because it gets results and it, and it protects people. And when it doesn't work anymore, by his own admission, he loses his faith. So yeah. we're out there. They freaking hit the gas. They're headed Pull some to Holdo maneuvers. Yeah, they're headed to our boy, Grand Admiral Thrawn, somewhere. Um, and to close out the episode, Ahsoka, we go over the cliff, we're underwater, and you start to see the water. I was telling Samuel when we first, as soon as he saw the episode, we were on the phone, and I told him uh, it changes from water to that gel that's in those things that slip out of your hand that you get at a putt-putt place when you don't have enough tickets for anything cool. Um <laughs> I got to find one of those things and put it on the screen for those that don't know what I'm talking about. Everybody um, knows what you're talking about. But walk Surely. us through that. Walk us through that freaking moment, dude. Yeah, I, um, I, I had my own expectations for that scene just because I know we we're doing like a lot of creature callbacks so far in the series, and I was like, man, if she doesn't, you know, fly out on a pergill or you know one of those pterodactyls from Attack of the Clones on Camino, I'm going to be absolutely pissed. And then, you know, you see the water start to take on a different shape and this ethereal quality. Oh, yeah. What are they called? Water. Um, it's called a jumbo pig farm water, water snake, snake wiggler. wiggler. Water snake wiggler is what they're called. Yeah. Um, water and snake you wiggler. See it kind of take on that ethereal quality. And it looks like if you're a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender, the cosmic space where he kind of taps and kind of taps into his avatar yep. energy. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was like, surely not, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, as far as we know, she hadn't gone through, you know, there's this whole procedure. You have to, you know, do some sort of alchemy or, uh, you know, go to some yeah. nexus or and portal I or something. I, I couldn't remember on how does Ezra get there to save Ahsoka? Does he go in through? There's that portal that looks like. Uh, I can't remember where it is. It, it is that painting 
remember, and it looks kind of like the the mother that maybe we're missing from the family that's on Mortis. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm pretty sure there's there's a force nexus there that allows him to go into. I, I might be misremembering that. It's been forever since I've seen that, but I'm fairly certain that there's a contact point. There's you know kind of a thin space we can call it that allows yeah. him to transport into the world between worlds. And um, we didn't see that transition happen, strictly speaking. So it was a, a big surprise. And, uh, you know, we hear this voice, this very recognizable voice, you know, not the voice that we hear from Clone Wars. So we've never actually heard Hayden Christensen's yeah. voice go, hey, Snips. And I yeah. was like, no, no. It was so cool to hear Hayden's voice say that. Yeah, say that like, line because it's a, it's a the, famous Anakin line, but you don't ever see Anakin. Yeah, it's Anakin only say spoken it. by Matt Matt Lanter in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh it got me good, and so he says, uh, "I didn't expect to see you so soon." So there's a lot of discussion around that. Um, mm-hmm. My personal take on it is um, he's obviously one with the Force at this point, and okay. uh, I you know and I think there's people that are kind of saying you know maybe somehow he you know, is, is there either, you know, via being there where he was on Mortis or there's some, there's some, something going on to where it's actually him from the, uh, the Revenge from of the Sith time. era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, was I don't about necessarily think it's that way. Um, yeah, I kind think of branching it's... over to what's the, what's next area mm-hmm. of the review, you know, yeah. what, what do you think as far as, so in your take, it really is post return of the Jedi. Like he's, he's not coming from another time, but he's able to be more corporeal because of where the world between world exists. Yeah. I think it's kind of like, I think of the world, how, how familiar are you with the, uh, the magician's nephew from that CS Lewis books? No, no, no. Magician's nephew. It's a CS Lewis book. Yeah. 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 Before Um, my wardrobe. Yeah. And so they have this ring that allows them to go somewhere where there's all these pools and you jump in a pool and it takes you to a world. And so I've always thought of the world between worlds as that same kind of concept that you, it's almost like being the force that you have these connection points to all these places and all these times. So to me, it just because a character looks a certain way doesn't necessarily mean to me that, because we also, you know, now see Hayden Christensen at the end of, you know, uh, Return, of the Jedi Return of the Jedi as, as his, you know, peak Jedi appearance. And so just because he's not wearing his cloak doesn't mean that he's, you know, completely from a different, you know, decade. Yeah. Um, I, I think of it as him saying, I haven't, didn't expect to see you so soon was he didn't expect for her to become one with the force already. And so mm-hmm. I think that her entering that place it's kind of that connection point. Like it's, you know, Hey, it's not your time yet sort of thing. Um, yeah. It's interesting because it's how it, a couple, meant, it's how it struck me. Yeah. I would totally agree. Save one part that I was like, hang on a second, which may, gave me pause. A couple of things. A we've only ever seen force ghosts when they appear back in the known galaxy on the physical plane. So mm-hmm. I could see a world where he looks like he does, because he's not moving from the cosmic force, bringing his spirit over to the living force side of things, because the world between worlds exists outside of the known space and time of the galaxy. So like he could be, um, it would be almost like, or in the traditional religious sense of 
seeing a vision of someone from heaven, whereas, you know, maybe when you see them and it's an angel or whatever, and they're kind of part mm -hmm. to see through or whatever, however you want to envision it or whatever, I don't know. Um, whereas if you were in heaven, then they would just look like their normal self. So maybe right. Anakin is in live, you know, in the cosmic force, but he just looks like his normal self and he's not see-through because he's in the force. The, the right. world between worlds is a part of the force that isn't bound by space and time, which is why there's those portals to all these different moments in, in right. the galaxy's history that apply to the character that you're looking at. My only, and I, I'm right on track there with you, my only concern or like pause, me going, well, hang on a second, is that the Vader theme plays mm -hmm. right as it hits credits. And so I'm like wondering why are they playing the Vader theme if it's good Anakin from the Cosmic Force, right? And a concept that uh, Skeleton Astronaut reminded me of was when they were writing the Force Awakens, they had an idea of like you know you have the good cop bad cop like the angel and demon on your shoulder type of thing. Um, JJ and them were were coming up and kind of toying with the idea they didn't end up going with it but the idea of anakin so much so becomes vader that essentially kind of like voldemort like his soul splits almost and so when he becomes one with the force you have the light side that is the anakin skywalker that you see in the jedi robes at the ewok village to finish off the movie but there's an there's a darth vader out there that's an evil spirit and that's who is tempting that's who kylo wants to be like hmm. and the call to the light is anakin warning him of what that life would make him become because warning him basically like here's mm -hmm. what my life became you don't want that um so interesting you know interesting. It, it kind of it's interesting because i love that concept like just conceptually just out there on a table it seems cool but it also kind of flies in the face of the point of the sith being obsessed with eternal life if right you can in fact be it's not not like we talked about before where darksiders can be bound to certain objects or locations as a punishment but if he's just like free floating through the universe i don't know and then some people were saying that his lightsaber looked like vader's lightsaber some people said if you lighten the image it's just because it's a dark room but it's Anakin's saber from episode three because Vader and Anakin's are pretty much identical, but Vader's yeah, is black. Yeah, it's just that uh, cap gun safety tip there at the end. Right. Um, so it's very, very interesting. What do you see happening next? We're halfway through. And mm. um, so we've got four more episodes, you know, with the rumor being that the Mando verse, quote unquote, is going to culminate in a movie that they might very well call heir to the empire with Thrawn needing to last that long, I appreciate that they've held out so long bringing them in. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that next episode, as we're kind of winding this down, do you think that part five is where I can see them spending like, okay, we know that the eye of Scion has Morgan and Balin and Shin and Sabine, and they're headed to, a new galaxy and we know that we're going to find Thrawn and Ezra there in some capacity and there's something going on with Thrawn that they believe him coming back can bring things back into balance in the Imperial favor. 
We don't know if there's a secret fleet there. Hopefully it's not like a freaking Exegol thing or that's just been there for a million years. Like hopefully there's something different. I like the Exegol idea. I'm just saying I would like something different so it's not a rehash because the constant complaint from the Star Wars fandom is it's, everything's a rehash of everything else. Mm-hmm. We know we're going there. That's kind of an understood thing. We know at some point we're going to see Thrawn. What I would love, and I want to get your opinion of this, I would love for part five to be just freaking Anakin and Ahsoka just hashing it out in the world between worlds. And them both being there opens up so many opportunities for going back and seeing Rex live action in the Clone Wars or I don't know, just all, I mean, you have so many things you could be doing to help because at some point Ahsoka has to become a Jedi again, like not necessarily the dogmatic, what we look like as even at the most powerful, their kind of worst form before the fall of the Jedi, but just the heart of what a Jedi is like what Avar, Chris and Skier and some of those characters who just, who were an embodiment of the light side and what it meant to live in the will of the force. Mm -hmm. Um, what does that, that the Elzar man that we freaking love. Yeah. What does that look like again in Ahsoka? Because she is so virtuous, but she's so jaded at this point. Do you think we jump and see Thrawn or do you think we camp out a little bit next episode, which is directed by Dave Filoni, I would like to point out. And I think it's going to be a very, very important episode because I don't know if you did. I got an email today saying, um, join a mid-season watch party see if there's so episode five of ahsoka is playing in select theaters across america it's only playing in 10 theaters i already checked it's not playing in tulsa it's not playing in houston anywhere Um, (laughs) it's playing it's playing in dallas which is like halfway for both of us but neither one of us have eight hours to drive four hours there and back to see a moot to see an episode of ahsoka which would be sadly if if we would have known about it we would have planned it out i'm sure right but it's a big enough deal that they're doing a mid-season special watch party at 10 select theaters across America. It's directed by Dave Filoni, which I cannot emphasize enough. What do you expect to see in week five? I, uh, well, gee whiz. Um, that's a lot to think about. I would like to explore more of the world between worlds. Cause it's, we've gotten it kind of in a passing fancy, you know what I mean? We've yeah. gotten to see kind of what it, does in a sense of like, you know, you can communicate through space and time. Um, I hope they don't use it as a stepping stone, basically just to transport Ahsoka to a different place, you know, cause they're, they um, have to use it to transport her to Thrawn's galaxy for sure. Right. I'm sure there's that, no other way to it's get kind there. of a, it's kind of a given at this point, I think, um, but there's so much more they could do with it. I agree. Right. And I, it, I think that, I mean, it's like who that's the only way she's going to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's not a yeah. there's not a map. There's not a ship that can get them there. Um. So I think that that's the direction it's going. But I hope we get more than just a uh, an add a girl from Anakin. Yeah. I'd love to see that. You know, I think the only thing that's going to mend Ahsoka is getting to have closure with Anakin. Yeah, that would be a huge. That would be huge because she walked away from the Jedi. And then she because comes she felt back. betrayed by him, and then yeah. you know she comes back, but she thing. works like it's so sad because she comes back in season seven of the Clone Wars, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I made these sabers better," and they have this little moment, and the mm-hmm. sabers are blue versus green, and it's kind of cute or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, we should go together. 
knowing me and Obi-Wan are going on this mission, right, to save Palpatine, mm-hmm. she goes to Mandalore. And you realize they never see each other again until Rebels when she realizes that Vader is Anakin, that she didn't mm-hmm. lose him in the Purge. She lost him in the Purge, but it's kind of like it would be like if she lost him in the Purge because he committed suicide, but the version right. that killed himself is standing in front of you as right. as, also, as deep and as dark as that sounds. To get out of speculation a little bit, but still on it, um, that brings up an interesting point, which is Balin knew who Vader was. Yeah, that's a good point. That was a very big secret. Um, Do you think we're far enough along in the timeline to know who that is? What do you mean? Because at some point in Bloodline, don't they disclose... I don't think we're that far, and I don't, I, th- I don't think we're that far yet. Um, because this is this is right alongside Mando season two and three, which is like probably seven years after, right? Yeah, it's interesting thought. I mean, I think he knows just because he knows. Mm-hmm. At this point, you know. Yeah. But let's see, Bloodline, it just says it's after Return of the Jedi. It doesn't give us a, a year on the okay. little opening things. I mean, I'm sure it does if you like really look into it. Yeah. But um, he knew, which means he was on the inside to some degree, right? Yeah, I think so too, dude. So... um that's an interesting little ins- – okay, it says on Wikipedia it's 28 ABY, so that's it's well after where we're at right now. ABY is after Battle of Yavin? Oh, I guess mm-hmm. – wow, so that's way down the line. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, – what, Jedi is three years after yeah, three or, Hope? Three or four, yeah. Yeah, so it's like 20 years after yeah. – yeah, Jedi? 28 ABY is like two years before The Force Awakens. Yeah. Okay, so winding down, we've kind of covered our ground. If you're the writer or if Dave Filoni calls you and says, hey, Simo, I need your help, what are three things that you would have put in part five that you're hoping to see that can be as as I predictable would, or as wild as you want? I would love to see the Chiss Ascendancy to some degree. Um Okay. I, I wouldn't see it as that outlandish. The Chiss are already – on um the outer reaches they already have an alternative mode of getting through hyperspace that i think for once would be advantageous over a hyperdrive computer um because that was a big big thing in the thron trilogy was not having to um navigate through hyperspace without a a guide um so i I think maybe having somebody force sensitive at the helm as opposed to having calculations would make it feasible for them to get out there. They were already looking for a new home. I right. think that that would be because a long top time priority. ago, a long time ago, we follow the pergil anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's something I would love to see just to see okay. them in full might. I don't know if we'll ever get to see them on the screen if we don't see it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't hate to see the Pergil one more time or to have some interaction with them 
And I think that there is a slight possibility this is a reality that Bindu gets pulled in somehow. Okay. So to see him, we already saw the Pergil live action. It would be very cool to see the Bindu live action. Okay. I'll give you a couple of ideas. Um, Long-term world between worlds, just like walking through and just like. Right. Getting to explore it really, really. Anakin explaining if he is post Return of the Jedi, good side Anakin, what are you doing Mm -hmm. here? It's not your time yet, guy. Him walking her through some of the key moments of their life together that we've Mm -hmm. all seen as hardcore fans, but maybe as live action fans or movie fans haven't seen yet, just hit a couple of key points. So, like Mortis through the world Mm -hmm. between worlds live action, you could have Sam Witwer all done up in makeup as the sun, things like that. So, just Really cool world between world stuff. Um, Yeah. I would love to see, um, I would love to see Thrawn. Obviously, I think that's kind of a given. That's more of a predictable thing. Here's my big one. I would love for Anakin to send Ahsoka to Thrawn's galaxy via the world between worlds on a loath wolf. That's like my trifecta, if we can see that happen, <laughs> right? Because yeah, some, somehow be the Loth Wolves are able to cover great distances and you kind of see them like following the curvature of Lothal and then all of a sudden they're across the globe, right? Mm-hmm. So um, obviously that's a magical thing. And and Dave, remember, Dave Filoni is directing part five. He's so if anybody, anybody gets the honor of putting a live action Loth Wolf, not just a painting, but a physical creature on screen, Dave's going to call dibs. So yeah, lots to think about, but um, we just want to say thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, This has been episode 98. We're going over deep diving into Ahsoka part four, the fallen Jedi. Um, Can't wait. This has been amazing. And I feel like it's just going to get better and better leading into some crazy stuff, whether it's in the season finale or on, on the big screen, maybe eventually. Uh, But it's been great. Samuel, thanks for carving out the time recording back-to-back episodes. Uh, remember, those of you watching and listening at home, the Force will be with you always. And the only family you have here is me. Thank you, guys. Catch you next time. <laughs>